we got to remember that if we're maintaining, if you're just maintaining someone's terrible pattern, they're not getting any better. Yeah. Right. And now you're spending eight months out of your year maintaining a pattern that is not good. And you're just hardwiring their CNS. And I think that's something that coaches have to do with their with their hitters is to help them understand the movements and what's occurring in those moments. And it's a little bit easier to make those adjustments if you understand the fills that are correlated to what's going on in your body. This is where I emphasize the plan is everything. The plan is nothing. The plan planning for how you want to go about something very important. But when, just like I said, after day one, the plan meant nothing when the plan didn't work. Fellas, fellas, fellas. Welcome back to the Farm System Podcast, your home for baseball development. We're here for you, by you, and with you. I'm your co-host, Joey Cunha. And I'm Bo Callis. This podcast is designed for coaches, players, scouts, really anyone looking to further their development in the game of baseball. Here at the Farm System, we take pride in being lifelong learners, and we're here to be a bridge from where you are to where you're going. We'd like to welcome back our veteran listeners. We're happy to grow with you again. We'd also like to welcome our first-time listeners, the rookies. Don't worry, every vet was once a rookie. This podcast is brought to you by our partners over at Yakertech. Yakertech is the gold standard for measuring spin rate, velocity, trajectory, and most important, spin axis of a pitched ball. No other system captures such clarity on a moving ball. Learn more about their system at yakertech.com. On this episode of The Farm Unfiltered, Bo and I talk through making adjustments in season. Pull up a seat, grab your notepad. Here's Bo and Joe. Welcome back for another episode of The Farm Unfiltered. Joey, my man, I'm excited to chat some baseball with you again today and another opportunity to share some information through the airwaves and kind of wanted to take a step back and talk about something that's applicable for our listeners today, coaches and players, and that's making an adjustment in season and um, you know getting our players to do that. So why don't you go ahead and, and start us off with how you view in-season adjustments and how uh, you think coaches should go about that? Um, absolutely. Again, um, another great time to get on and make some help some coaches late in the season. I mean, I know uh, there's there's been this real big thought for a long time. Obviously, a lot of bigger adjustments that you know, even all the way up to Major League Baseball, a lot of guys are they'll make some of those bigger adjustments out of season. And also, you know, I used to be at the spot where um, you know I definitely didn't even want to make a whole bunch of adjustments uh, in season when it comes to patterning and things like that. We kind of you know, isolated that layer of player development to an off-season type setup until my mind had really been changed uh, last year when I had worked with uh, uh, Donnie a little bit and I started seeing how he was doing that with uh, major league athletes and, um, you know, kind of opened my mind to that idea. And then I kind of obviously now have started to explore it quite a bit and came up with a whole bunch of different ways that I've blended um, and done some of those things. So I think, I think my mindset's really changed on, on that whole part, but I, I, I guess Bo more from this way, I want to, before we kind of dive into that, I wanted a kind of question from you, obviously, again, I just like to hype you up with all American honors, but I just want to mm-hmm. ask you as well, when you were playing, um, you know, what did adjustments look like? What was your feelings on making adjustments in season 
And, uh, you know, as a player, what was your perspective? Well, you know, I was, I was very lucky and very fortunate to be coached by guys that played at a very high level from a young age. So I was always taught that making adjustments is a continued process, really no matter where we're at in the season. And obviously this comes with having a foundation of understanding how your body moves, um, being aware and understanding the feels like we have talked about on several episodes. So, you know, when I got to a higher level and and was eventually playing college ball, um, I was constantly making adjustments to my swing. In my first two years in college, people would often say like, that's why I was struggling. So I was trying to make these adjustments, but I think it was more, because I was more struggling mentally. And when I finally got to Sterling and and really had a good understanding of how my body moved, I felt really comfortable making adjustments almost in game. You know, I'd talk through the feels and that's what allowed me to make those adjustments quicker was when I had a a better understanding of where my body was moving in space. And Mm -hmm. I think that's something that coaches have to do with their, with their hitters is to help them understand the movements and what's occurring in those moments. And it's a little bit easier to make those adjustments if you understand the feels that are correlated to what's going on in your body. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's the thing too, is it's, it's, uh, I think this is the thing is let's say this, for example, right? So uh, Calhoun this last season, right? Had one of the worst statistical, you know, like the worst statistical year of his entire year, uh, entire life in the first half of his season, right? Yeah. Um, obviously made a substantial change um, in how he moved and mm-hmm. then had one of the best, you know, uh, numbers in his career for the second half of his yeah. season. Right mm-hmm. now, when you, when you look at something like that and you look at, and again, you look at all these stories. Yes. Is there absolutely stories where guys have made adjustments and it messed them up and they, you know, everybody's coached a player where they try to change something and it turned out for the worst. Right. Yeah. Maybe they stopped hitting, maybe they, you know, uh, even like if you're a coach and you're looking on the pitching side, you know, again, maybe someone lost their curveball. Maybe somebody, you know, all of a sudden, you know, made some a, a grip change of this or that. They changed up their lifting program. Something happened and then, you know, turned into a bad result. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But on the same note, uh, those ones burn deeper in our brain. But on the same note, uh, I would also bet that you can think of guys that have made uh, substantial adjustments in mm-hmm. season and it turned to, you know, a very positive results. Yeah. Right. So I think like that's a big thing. And what anytime I have a situation like that, like that red flags to me that, um, you know, obviously it burns on our brain about the negative adjustment. So people get afraid of it and going, no, we're in season. You know, we got got to be really careful, which we do. There is some positive. I mean, there is some truth in that. Right. Mm -hmm. We do have to be careful. Right. We have to have an understanding of what we're trying to create. Right. And we also have to have a different uh, method. Right. We have to adjust. As a coach, you have to adjust. You can't act like it's the off season, right? Yeah. You got to get yeah. a guy ready to fight tonight, right? And mm-hmm. that, and that, and that thought. So there's a way of doing it, right? But it's very interesting. Again, obviously, as human beings, and you know, Bo, obviously from the psychology side, especially too. You and I talked uh, through that with you know your degree being in that, but just more us talking through that. The negative uh, notations get burned in our brains a little deeper. Right. Mm-hmm. So every time something really bad happens, uh, we notate that and we're like, OK, and then we associate that with um, the the decision rather than the process. Yeah. Right. The decision was to make make a, a bigger adjustment with this guy's swing. So then yeah. we associate it with that's wrong rather than maybe how I went about it was wrong. 
Yeah. Right. Maybe the process that I took with this particular athlete wasn't the right course for him. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe, uh, the move or again, you know, maybe I went too far too fast. Like again, evaluate how I was trying to go about it and yeah. also evaluate the exact athlete. Again, is this athlete one of those guys that if I did it in this way, like I, I constantly, okay. So like last week, for example, last week I was working with a, um, triple a guy that, uh, just recently got uh, released. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he came to us that we had never worked with him before. Uh, um, he had came in to work with us for about a week. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when he came in before he's going off to, to Indy ball, he had some pretty big foundational, you know, things that are wrong with his swing. Yeah. Right. But I only have a week to make adjustments. So that's just like, and this happens all the time. If you guys aren't aware with like major league baseball, um, they may say like, um, okay, for example, right. Calhoun last year, right. He's hitting terrible. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden he gets sent down for a oblique injury mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. oblique injury. Yeah. <laughs> and they came up with a completely different swing. Mm-hmm. Right. So this happens all the time in major league baseball where they'll put a guy because of the constraints of the rosters, right. Yeah. They'll yeah. put a guy on an injured list. Right. Yeah. And um, when they put them on the injured list, really what they're trying to do is they're trying to get the guys swing back in order. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you know, or, you know, there's these folk tales that all of a sudden somebody's facing a really tough lefty and you're a good, you know, really good lefty hitter, but you just can't hit that guy. And so, um, you know, like Chris sales and stuff like that, where guys are, you know, all of a sudden mysteriously uh, sick. Yep. You know, they got 24 hour flu. <laughs> that they, they, they can't play today because of that, because uh, of such there's, there's a whole bunch of that going on as well. Um, and again, like that's just like strategic. It's nothing different. They're just playing the political game because in college, again, they do that all the time. You know, you, you know, you don't hit tough lefties well. So, you know, I bat the righty or whatever. Right. Yep. Um, yep. Nothing play different. The yeah, but nothing different. But when you're in a, when you're a superstar, you can't really say that, you know, that's not the matchup. They just kind of uh, played a, played a different way. And also, too, as a player and you're trying to make a paycheck, the last thing you want kind of known is things like that. Right. Because people are going to start matching those people up against you. Yeah. So, you know, there's 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 a whole bunch of different layers uh, to how you go about doing that. But um, one thing that you said that I wanted to kind of circle back on is in this continuous process of you making adjustments in season, you know, let's unwrap that because adjustments is a very broad term and could be taken in a lot of different ways. Again, it could be approach. It could be, you know, physical things. When you think back to, you know, those adjustments uh, that you were making, what kind of adjustments were they? And uh, yeah, let's go from there. Um, Biggest thing for me is I felt like I had a pretty good base foundation. Like I wasn't making large repatterning adjustments. Mine was always really mental. And I mean, there was a time when I first transferred in college where, you know, I, I stood tall in high school um, and, and just kind of gripped it and ripped it. I, I didn't really understand my, how my body moved. Uh, my first year in college, my, I spread out and, you know, the classic, you know, mid-major D1 Joey where we're going to hit the ball on the ground the other way. And then when I transferred back to Sterling, that was my biggest adjustment year was I basically changed my whole swing and my number showed it. I didn't have a great year. I, I struggled a lot of the year. And that was because um, I was reteaching myself a lot of that stuff in season, which mm-hmm. I wanted to do. 
you know, I had had that coach with our hitting coach and um, I, I still produced enough to play at a high level, but I wasn't maximizing my skill set. But I didn't want to make I didn't want to wait and struggle and then not set myself up for that next year, if that makes sense. So mm-hmm. um, basically, after I had built that foundation again, it was just really mental for me, which I'm a big approach guy. And that's something you would constantly tell me, like, you know, trust, trust your abilities. And, and I think that's where a lot of players struggle in season mm-hmm. is we're kind of insecure when we're learning new movements. Yeah. And when you struggle, like when you would, or when you struggle, when you research the yips or, you know, these mental blocks that players can't make adjustments or, or they lose it, a lot of that's their insecurity and their inability to trust themselves. So um, and I think that's where that relationship and the communication process with your coaches, you, you have to understand how your player responds and what adjustments they can handle. So for me, it was just a lot of dialogue, um, really talking through my approach and just reiterating those feels as opposed to really breaking down and getting super technical in season, which I know, once again, your your experiences might have been different, but for me, it was just more reiterating what I already knew that I knew and yeah. really just my coach instilling that confidence that, Hey, you're moving good, man. We just need to figure out what you're thinking between your ears. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think, I think that's, that's part of the thing. I mean, the biggest thing you say that uh, you said there was um, you got to know your guy, right? So you got to know the athlete that you're working with of what kind of adjustments that you can make and how you need to go about it. So for example, right. We just had, again, that AAA guy, he comes from just playing in spring training to Mm -hmm. having like, you know, a week and a half, and then he's got to go play indie ball, right? So that's like an in-season adjustment. That's like if somebody got sent down or even two in college. Imagine, I'm sure you guys all have hitters right now. Imagine in a week and a half, you know, uh, you guys got a week and a half off. Let's say that be, you know, uh, just in between game sets or a week or whatever. Um, And maybe even two years, not going to have him play a couple games, right, to get him back on track, right? Mm -hmm. Now, if you were to do that, um, even too, or if you're just going to sacrifice a couple games, say, you know what? Hey, I'm dedicating this next week and a half uh, to get this guy back right because we have playoffs coming or whatever, right? And so if you were to look at that, I mean, not only that, like we're doing that with a professional athlete, which, you know, this is, uh, if he just got released and he's going to an indie ball team, like this is kind of his life, right? This is, and, um, you know, at the time, you know, he's he's an older guy as well. That's another thing is like these guys have a time clock. Yep. And some of these players, even though they're younger, they also have a time clock, right? If they don't pull it together, maybe they're not going to get picked up by a bigger school. Or again, maybe this is their senior year and they are, you know, are they going to get uh, move on and go play professional baseball? Um, and sometimes guys just like lose some of those feels uh, during season um, happens all the time, which is why we try to prepare our pro guys before we send them out with a whole bunch of different ways to fix uh, issues uh, that they typically have, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody has, everybody has. Uh, compensations that they fall into or patterns that they fall into when things aren't going right. So before we send guys off, we usually send them off with like an idea of how to fix those things uh, when they're obviously, we're not going to be with them, you know, (laughs) throughout their whole season. Um, But getting back on track is one thing that constantly challenges me all the time is when you get those constraints where it's like, Hey, you have a week to make this guy move different. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, first off, you know, one thing I always like to emphasize with guys, because I don't want to make it sound too easy, right? Yep. It's not a magic trick, right? It's not, mm-hmm. it's not, you know, oh, you're out here at 108, you know, I'm the director of hitting, 
you sprinkle some my sprinkle magic dust I got on you. Now you're going to move better, right? <laughs> right. So, and I, I say that to over exaggerate that some some guys, you know, also we have to very important. A lot of the conversations that we have with athletes is very important that we set the culture when they come in, right? Yeah. They got to understand that again. I don't have some magical dust that they're going to instantly move, you know, come here. Um, and it's going to be an easy process. So we're going to do five reps and all of a sudden they're going to be Barry Bonds. Right. Yeah, yeah. And so I over, over exaggerate with those guys and also lay a foundation of them understanding saying, listen, this isn't, you know, this isn't, uh, this isn't magic. Like you're going to have to move better, yeah. right? You're going to have to intentionally be focused on every rep that you take. Like, like this isn't, this isn't something where, again, I'm just going to put you in this position, put you here, and then that's it. We wrap it up. Right. Mm -hmm. Like there's going to be a lot of things because again, even if we, we do those things, like I gotta, I gotta get you to move different when a ball's coming at you at 95. Yeah. Right. I'm going to teach you to react different. And I have to now, especially the older the athlete gets, the more hardwired their CNS system is. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, again, their body wants to fall into those patterns, especially too, when, when, uh, there's a ball with a high stimulus, a ball coming at you at 95 miles an hour, your body wants to go to where it's strong where it's fast, where it can create speed, it, where it can create quickness, right? Yep. Um, the problem is, is a lot of times, um, you know, again, obviously we talked about where quickness and speed are different and a lot of guys will go into their compensations. There's, there's parts of our body that create a lot of speed, but they make us lose direction, right? If we use, um, again, if we, especially if we use our uh, fascial lines on the backsides of our body, um, which is a common a common engine that becomes dominant on a lot of players is they start yanking with their backs, mm -hmm. right? Um, there's a lot of ways people describe it. Um, some people want to feel like they're hitting with their backs, you know, blah, 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 get into the mm -hmm. weeds there. But in any case, there's a lot of guys that when it comes to movement, they start pulling off of balls. We can all agree that that's not good, right? Yeah. So yeah. let's just start there, right? So I'll agree that the guy's pulling off the ball. Uh, he's lacking direction. He might have a whole bunch of speed. He might have a whole bunch of force production, right? But he can't for, again, as we talked about in a couple episodes ago, um, you know, the force transmission part, right. Is mm -hmm. he can't get it into the ball because he has no direction, but he has speed, mm -hmm. right. Or he has force production. Now, you know, when we go into that with players, um, you know, I have to be creative. Like all of a sudden we got to get creative on how, you know, after I work with an athlete, like for example, this guy, the, the first day we went through a lot of, um, methodical, um, you know, started talking through how the body needs to move. We started going rep by rep. Uh, we were doing everything completely out of the cage, right? Mm -hmm. This is completely out of the cage. We got to learn to move. Who cares about the bat right now? Right. With, you know, we, if we can't do it with a med ball, if we can't do it with a PVC pipe, we're definitely not going to do it with a bat, right. Yeah. With a ball flying at you, you're just adding more variables. Um, and it's harder to feel, um, some of the movements are a lot easier to feel when you remove some of the degrees of freedom. Um, and the degrees of freedom is a Bernstein's principle. Um, you guys can kind of reduce some research on that side, uh, if you're interested, but basically it's just like it, it very simplistically, it's imagine getting into your car and having to drive the car with 10 steering wheels, right? Mm -hmm. Becomes uh, much more complex, right? Yeah. So, um, well, basically we want to remove some of those degrees of freedom and how we do that is by putting people in constraints, mm -hmm. right? And we, when we put people in constraints, uh, we're removing some of those, uh, those, those freedoms by constraining, like, let's say your lower body, right. Or constraining, uh, you know, and, and your arms, instead of having you use like your elbows, your wrist, 
you know, every single one of your fingers, what we do is we put a med ball in your hand and tell you to keep straight arms. Mm-hmm. Right. That means we removed a whole bunch of degrees of freedom because all of your other joints aren't moving. Right. Yeah. They're acting as one lever rather than a whole bunch of levers. Right. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, so when we started doing some of those, those moves and we started, um, doing some of these movements, you know, we started talking a lot more from moving from the middle and all these other things that we talk about. And, um, in any case, uh, this particular athlete was, it was very easy for him to get in his head. Yeah. Very, very easy for him to get domed up. Yeah. Right. We've all had players like that. Right. Very easy. And I was speaking of that. I was a domed up guy. Like I, I was a thinker. Right. But for me, uh, like, and again, it's like, there's, there's different versions of that too. Just because, you know, just cause one guy can get one guy, you can use his brain. You can use his brain for, you know, like as a, my whole thing as an athlete is when, when I started using my brain for me instead of against me. Yeah. It's an asset know? instead of yeah. you, instead of it being detrimental to your performance. Correct. Yeah. So the brain, you got to know how to use that. And again, every guy's different with, uh, those things, but for example, like, you know, uh, this athlete and, and for example, I couldn't, um, my, let's just put it this way. My typical way of how I would have went about it wasn't going to work. Yeah. Right. We're, we're training two times a day for the, you know, for five days. And I, at the end of the day, not only was he physically like beat because we, you know, the organization that he was, uh, playing for, they took like 25 swings a day and don't allow extra work mm-hmm. for the guys to hit. We won't get into that, yeah. but in any case, uh, he then came from that to us with, you know, obviously we're going to do a con- tremendous amount of vo- uh, volume because, you know, we don't have um, as much time, right? We only got a week, right? We had to get it in. So when we went to that, there's no way, I, like, again, I'm going from not only physically de- uh, depletion, but also mentally he was depleted, like mm-hmm. done by then yeah. the first day, right? So going home, going home from there, realizing, okay, this isn't going to work. Right. Yeah. We got to go about this a different way because by the end of the week, he's not, you know, he's going to have nothing left. Yeah. Right. Like there's going to be, there's going to be nothing left. So yeah. we got to change up that strategy. So when, you know, I went back to that guy, um, I started realizing, okay, all right, really good athlete. Right. Obviously, elite athlete. He wouldn't be where he was. He wouldn't be, you know, in AAA baseball. He wouldn't be putting up some of the numbers that he can put up um, if he, he was an elite athlete. Right. Mm-hmm. So in any case, we started doing everything. I changed my strategy up and started doing everything very athletic. Everything yeah. became very athletic. How can I, how can I create this movement um, through an athletic movement? Right. So yeah. how can I create it instead of doing it constrained, right? How can I do it, but constrained in a different way, more with uh, making it fun, making it entertaining. How can I, how can I make that happen? And again, without getting into the weeds there, I just wanted to lay the, the concept that we completely change strategy and I had to adapt to the athlete. Right. So what does this go for like coaches? How is this uh, like applicable for coaches is that again, when you know your athlete, you can't, you can't say, okay, you know, in season, we're going to make the, all these adjustments and you're going to go about all of them the exact same. Mm -hmm. You can't, you can't do that. Right. Every athlete's going to be different. Right. Some guys are going to be more just, you know, uh, they want to talk about approach. Right. And and again, I think some coaches only talk about approach. Mm-hmm. Right, you get in the season, and it's just like, oh, this is the safe route. Let's talk about a approach. First off, t- changing someone's approach is not the safe route. Yeah. <laughs> that could that changing somebody's mental side and what they're thinking at the plate is not a safe route. You could do just as much damage on that side of things. Of course, if not right? more. 
Yeah, if not more, right? You get someone's it's it's sometimes it's better to change somebody's moves than it is to change what's going on in somebody's head. Yeah. Right? Um you can get that's that's different. So don't think that that's the safe route. It's yeah. not the safe route. Um if anything, a lot of times um you know, again, your thoughts are just helping uh currently how you move, what you should be thinking to uh best produce the best results for how your how your movement profile is currently. Yeah. Right? Um but you know, again, we got to be careful. I think too often we think that that the approach is the safe route, and that's not the safe route, right? There's no mm-hmm. safe route. If you're making a change, there's no safe route, mm-hmm. right? And you know, one another thing, another concept at a high level before we kind of dig into some of the ways that we go about making those adjustments, right? Is that from a high level, we got to understand too. Too often, people are not willing to make physical changes, mm-hmm. right? They just want to maintain, right? Well, we're in season. Let's just maintain. We're only going to go with, you know, maybe we change some of the mentalities of how guys are hitting. And some guys don't even want to touch that. Like, you know, they just want to stay away from everything. And I was like, this is a thing by inaction. Like, we got to remember that if we're maintaining, if you're just maintaining someone's terrible pattern, they're not getting any better. Right. And now you're spending eight months out of your year maintaining a pattern that is not good. And you're Mm -hmm. just hardwiring their CNS. Yeah. Right. You're just, you're just making it even harder for you to make the changes for them. Right. Uh, and let's say that off season or for them to go on in the future. So like we should always, you know, every single day. And again, I think a lot of people, um, I, I always say this with, you know, when you, when you look at someone that's successful, don't just listen to what they say, but also watch what they do. Right. Mm-hmm. Because you'll, you'll hear a lot of coaches go, Oh no, in season, we don't make these bigger adjustments. You know, we don't do any of these other things. And then all of a sudden you see them in BP and they're talking through, Hey, do this, do that, do this. And they're playing with guys, timing mechanisms and some bigger things in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Right. And then they're like, but th- someone will say, Oh no, but we don't make big, big physical changes. It's like, no, no, no. If you're talking about the guy's leg kick, if you're talking about how he's tipping his bat, if you're talking about how he's moving um, it, um, in the sense of like, we can go into the weeds of like, from where the movement's coming from. Like there's a lot of those moves. There's a lot of those moves that are very big moves in my opinion. Like they carry more weight, mm-hmm. right? That those are massive changes in how a, a player is moving. And yeah. so when when you do that, like again, they somebody might say one thing but not understand that they're doing another. Yeah. Right. So I think that that's very important is 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 there's, there's a couple different sides of what that looks like and you can do physical and mental, but again, don't weigh one more than the other because they're just crucially. And also depending on the athlete, um, you know, the mental side could be even bigger of a hurdle for him. Right. And the other guy could be, uh, physically could be more of a hurdle for him. And right? I, think, I just want to interject there. I think a lot of that is the level that you're playing at and the kind of athlete you're dealing with. Like that's an interesting piece to the athlete you were working with. Yeah. He was high level guy, but sometimes that can be a hindrance. You know, these, this guy is a professional. He's experienced a lot of success along the way and he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to feel uncomfortable. He doesn't, you know, obviously he might not respond to failure very well, especially if he's only taken 25 to, you know, 30 swings a day, all of a sudden he's taken 250 and half of them, he doesn't feel good, you know? So, a lot of that is understanding the athlete. And then on the counterintuitive, um, you mentioned how an athlete might think the feel and doesn't understand what's happening in the swing. I think we see that when coaching, you know, mm-hmm. I think coaches will want to make an adjustment to something, but the something is a correlation of 
something that's happened earlier in the process of the swing. So um, I think that it's a little bit of both. And sometimes players fall guilt to the coaches not being prepared and not fully understanding what's happening in the player swing as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, this is a thing. This is a thing too. the coaches. First off, to give you some love on this side, you're doing the best with what you got. Yep. Right. I mean, at the end of the day, that's what we're all doing. Right. I'm, I'm giving you the best of what I have right now. I'm doing I'm giving trying to give you the, the best adjustment that I have um, that I think I would help you. Right. No one's trying to make a change in someone's swing to make them hit worse. Yeah. Right. But, you know, again, what Bo's trying to emphasize here is sometimes we're, you know, we're trying to fix symptoms rather than uh, fixing the real illness. Yeah. Right. Uh, we're trying to we're trying to make the guy's nose stop stop watering or I mean, um, stop flowing. Right. We just want to wipe his nose, but really, really there's a real sickness that's going on inside of him that, you know, is really going to take care of all the symptoms that you're seeing. Right. And a lot, you know, and that's, and that's the thing is, you know, some of those things, you know, too often we're trying to just fix, we're trying to fix those things and we're not seeing the bigger picture and we're just trying to do the best we can with what we have, uh, you know, how we currently view the swing. Right. And obviously that changes over time. Right. Uh, As we learn more and more about the body and what's actually happening and all those things. So, okay, meat and potatoes. What are some of the ways that I've gone about, um, or I've again seen a lot of these uh, coaches around me as well? Um, you know, Donnie, some of these other guys make some of these adjustments. Uh, Eugene, of course. Uh, you know, again, a lot of these these coaches that I've had in my journey that have you know helped me in that way, and also I've you know I've stolen some things from them. So, first off, starts I with wanna, knowing your athlete. Go ahead. I, I want to ask you this first, Joe. I want to I want to break this down. So. Yeah. Let's say you're working with a pro guy. Yeah. What does that process look like making adjustments? And uh, I'm going to say it depends. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, obviously it matters if I've worked with the guy before um, or if it's a guy like this last time it was the first time I ever worked with him. Um, but usually no matter what we sit down, mm-hmm. right? Step one, sit down. What are you struggling with? Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let me see game footage. Okay. What balls do you feel like you're not hitting? Okay, now I'm gonna actually go look at the data and see what you're not hitting because that's usually a misconception, yeah. right? Guys are like, like uh, for example, you know, we had a pro guy this off season. He's like, you know, I really, I really struggle with fastballs up in the zone. You know, that's what's really getting me out. All this other stuff, and we're like, okay, okay. We go look, we go look at the numbers. He struck out eighty percent on sliders down and away. Nice. <laughs> you know, we're worried about the fastball up when in games he's striking out on sliders. Mm-hmm you know, down and away. Right. So again, it's, it's funny what we associate, you know, with what's making us uh, not successful. Right. So again, I actually go look at the numbers. We're going to go look at the numbers. We're going to go figure out what is real. And again, with baseball now, it's, it's really not that hard. You know, you got, you got baseball savant, you got all these other things where you can go look at spring training clips. You know, they, the player themselves usually have a video, right? We look at the video. And then from that point, I figure out, you know, what's actually happening. Right. And what are some of the movement deficiencies that we need to change? Mm-hmm. Right. Then um, I look at those deficiencies and I look at a time frame. Right. How long do I have to make this change? Right. I don't want to pull Humpty Dumpty apart if I can't put it back together again. Yeah. I got a week. Right. So yeah. how do how do I how do I have the player in this situation or most coaches? Right. They don't have a long period of time to make some of these adjustments. You got to look at. Okay, this is my time frame. These are some of the adjustments that I can make in this time frame, right? And uh, you know, I don't want to take on too big of a project that I can't complete, right? Yeah. You don't want to leave a guy incomplete, right? Especially when he's got to play 
um, you know, some bigger games when they're coming up for you. Right. Mm -hmm. So then I look at those, then I look at those, what adjustments we need to make. And then I plan out, I plan out how I'm going to go about doing that. Now, this is where I emphasize the plan is everything. The plan is nothing. I forgot who said that quote, but it's a good quote, mm -hmm. right? Um, the plan, planning for how you want to go about something, very important, right? Very important, especially when you're working with a professional athlete. Very important, right? But when, just like I said, after day one, the plan meant nothing when the plan didn't work. <laughs> didn't yeah. mean anything. Screw that plan. I'm coming up with a new plan, right? So the plan is everything. The plan is nothing, right? And then so I go about that and kind of make adjustments to that plan as I go about uh, doing those things. But um, yeah, that would be my answer to your first question for sure. So we, you, you've obviously coached and, and trained athletes and coached at different levels. How, how would that process change? Let's say you were a college coach and you're in the constraints of the season right now. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, you've played, you understand the time limits yeah. as far as practice and things like that. How would you yeah. approach that um, as opposed to working with a professional guy? Yeah. So first off, I would, in that round, look, you got all the data that you need. You see the player play every day, right? Yeah. And you have a data, like a lot of these bigger schools, you guys got track mans, there's rap sodas all over the place. Like there's, there's a blast sensors. There's a whole bunch of things that can give you data. And then you could also have as much game film as you want. You pull out your dang cell phone when the guys at the plate have some, you know, have somebody in the dugout video. And it's, you know, I used to have, when I coached, I had, uh, we, uh, from a small, not a, you know, like a smaller high school, we just had an iPad in the, in the dugout. We videoed every AB, mm -hmm. right. You don't need to have some high, you know, plex like video system. Like some of these schools have, like that's again, I had a whole bunch of swings to pull from. Cause I had them videoed. I had a guy that was designated just like a guy doing charts. Yep. You're just going to video from the dugout, every AB swing to swing, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you could. And absolutely. Another th item is you could just put in the dugout and just push record. And, you know, how to record the whole time. But I think that that's a waste. You could just have a player sit there, start, stop. And two, we're always looking for things for our, our players to stay engaged, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so start, stop after every swing. Um, and then I, I would tell guys, some guys want to see some takes. That's fine. You know, uh, but for the most part, I tell our guys just to delete the takes, right? After the inning's over, go back through and delete all the takes, right? Yeah. But in any case, so what I would do is if I was a college coach, I already got all the data, right? I get the, the advantage there is you get to see them in game. You get to see, you know, the things he's struggling with, what pitches he's struggling with. You have charts. You guys do all kinds of things in college, which is awesome uh, that you guys can pull a whole bunch of things that uh, you can track whatever you want to track because you're in game and you can start tracking it at any point. Right. Yeah. Yep. Um, now, when uh, what I would do differently in that, right, is now that I already have all those other things, obviously still sit and talk to the athlete. Right. About what they feel that they're struggling with. Right. Don't just instantly tell them what they're struggling with. Yeah. That's a big you wanna, one. Yeah. You want to, you want to sit there and say, Hey, what do you, what do you think that you're, um, you know, how do you think your season's going to this point? Right. That's a great way to kind of open, open the combo. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, cause they might say it's going great. I feel great. I feel awesome. Right. And that's, that's okay. Maybe it is, maybe it's the best, you know, year of their life and they just, they still can get even better, which we, which we all can. Right. Yeah. So um, you know, kind of give a feel on what they're feeling, what their mental state's at, you know, what do you think your season's going, blah, blah, blah. Like, okay. Yeah. Like, what do you think you're doing? Well, you know, always start there. You know, what do you think you're doing? Kind of the sandwich effect. What do you think you're doing? Well, yeah. um, okay. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, doing this, a, you know, a, B, X, Y, Z, blah, blah, blah. Right. Then, um, you're like, okay, well, what do you think that, you know, where's, where's an area you think you could improve? Right. Oh, well, you know, 
Um, I'm, you know, I'm striking out a lot of curveballs in the dirt, blah, 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 blah. Right. Okay. Okay. Um, you know, why, well, why do you think that you're, you know, it's a, it's such a hard issue for you. Like why, why do you think that you swing at balls in the dirt more than other guys? Well, you know, I think sometimes, you know, um, I'm just worried about hitting the fastball cause I get beat on fastballs inside with two strikes, especially. And so, you know, sometimes I'm like cheating to a fastball and then I like overcommit and then I'm susceptible, I think to like a curveball or something. Right. Yeah. And then you're like, okay. And then we'll, well, why do you think, why do you think that, uh, you're cheating the fastballs? Like, why do you feel like you have to cheat the fastballs? Um, well, sometimes I just feel like my barrel, like it's stuck behind me, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, oh, okay, good. So then you like start, you use the questions, right. To mm-hmm. lead them towards, uh, the, you know, movement that you see, that's the issue. Yeah. Right. You use that, that go that way right now. It's like, okay, you're right. Yeah. You know what? I was actually seeing that your barrel was getting stuck behind you too. Right. Yeah. Okay, you know, and I, I was thinking about some different things that we could do uh, to fix that up, you know. Um, and two, I think a lot of these things is you don't necessarily have to, you know, if again, depending on the time frame, if I have a week, then I have to take that into consideration. If I have three weeks or a month, right, I could take that slower, right? Yeah. Um, or again, if I need to, you know, I think it's an easier fix and I just need to spend one whole day of us doing extra work, then let's do that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but what I would do is then from that process is I need to sit down, obviously, hopefully as a coach, you've already sat down before this conversation and kind of wrote out, um, you know, how you would go about doing it, right. Mm-hmm. Have a plan of how you're going to go about doing it and how you're going to methodically isolate that issue in the swing, yeah. right. Or that dysfunction in the swing. Mm-hmm. Right. So then you, you take that dysfunction. You're like, okay, I have a game plan about how we're going to go about doing this. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, one thing that I love to do, which also, gets buy-in ownership and also too might give you some great ideas how to fix it you say you know as you always ask a player like oh have you ever struggled with this in the past right they go yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I'm like okay well how did you work on it in the past right what are, and then they give you an option and then they ask the even the next follow-up question how would you go about fixing it right now if we had to isolate that and we wanted to make that better you know what are some ways that we could go about doing that right yeah. make them the coach yep right give them ownership it's their idea they might say the idea that you already had, right? But now they think it's their idea. Now you're a superstar coach because that guy, I think he came up with his own idea. So now it's his idea. So he's going to run with it 10 times as hard because yeah. it wasn't just, you know, it wasn't your idea. It's his idea, even though you let him there, right? Yeah. Yeah. So now you're the superstar coach. So then, so then you guys go about in that process is what we do is then we get in the, then we get in the um, cage or wherever we're going to, you know, on the field where we're going to work on this. And the main things that I work on is that when we're, we're trying to fix something, we need to isolate it. Mm-hmm. We need to, we need to try to set up a constraint that gives them very, very quick feedback. Yeah. Right. The whole thing is feedback, feedback, and it doesn't, and feedback isn't always the coach going, nope, nope. That ain't it. Nope. Uh, uh, no. Yes. Yes. No. That's great. Not like not that. Right. That's part of it. That's part of the feedback. But also too, let the ball be the feedback too. Yeah. Right. Let let the constraint be the feedback. Or let the task be the feedback. Where they instantly know if they're successful or not. Right. Let the tech let the tech be the feedback. Yeah. Right. There's there's some of those things. Right. So like let's say let's say uh, for example, let's say we have a guy that is uh, can't hold posture. Right. When he goes to hit balls, his, his shoulder comes up and out and, and when he's hitting and he loses direction, right? Or he comes out of posture, which is how we describe, right? When I have a guy like that 
usually what I would do. And again, very easy, very simple thing. It's not going to mess up their swing. It is, you know, it's going to, it's going to reinforce a lot of patterns is we just use a really short bat, right? And then we toss them. I just toss them down and away, down and away with a really short bat. What's the only way he's gonna be able to get there is you got to bend over and hold posture, right? Very simple example, right? So with that being said, again, let's say that the plan is everything. The plan is nothing. If we start using that and that doesn't fix the issue, well, then we need to come up with a new plan, right? We need to, we need to use a different device. We need to, um, you know, have him, you know, depending on that dysfunction, right? We need to isolate it where he has instant feedback, where he knows if he hit the ball hard, you know, or if he, if you give him that task, like, let's say I give him a short bat and I'm going to toss him like down and away. And I'm saying, okay, Hey, I need you to hit this ball in the air, in the gaps, you know, for a double, right? If he hits it and top spins one to the second baseman, he knows instantly without you having to say anything that he missed it, that ball and that he didn't, and that, that wasn't the move, right? Also videoing this entire time, video those processes so that they can see at the end every day you recap. Okay. This is, you know, again, this is obviously where you were, you know, before, uh, this is where you, you know, how you're moving now. This is the difference. This is when you're doing it. Well, this is when you're not doing it. Well, here's two different examples, right? And then also showing them video throughout the entire process. You know, oh, that one felt good. Okay, let's mark that one in the video. And sometimes I do that with like a hand signal or something like that, right? We do a hand signal like, okay, that was a good one. Let's go back and look at that one later, right? And then so that way they can start seeing it. And then also showing them examples of professional athletes that do it well. Yeah. Right? So anyways, you, you, you tie all that stuff together and you have to be methodical about how you go about doing that. And also you got to be methodical about what move you're trying to create. If you're trying, if you're just trying to help somebody with direction and you're trying to help them make whole posture through, um, you know, posture and side bend throughout a swing. Okay. The, those are not, uh, timing mechanisms per se, mm-hmm. right? They're not, uh, that's more like additional if that yeah. makes sense. Right. But if you're going to make a timing mechanism change, well, again, like, let's say you're going to change somebody's leg kick or you're going to change, you know, uh, how somebody rotates, which is very important, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if you're going to change how, you know, someone's stride length, you know, stuff like that. Okay. Those are bigger moves, right? Those are some bigger things that are going to mess with people's timing. And if you're going to do that, right. Uh, you most likely when you're making a timing mechanism, you need to pair that with, uh, you need to pair that with, um, a, the thoughts that go along with that new move, right? I, I tell guys, I can tell guys this new move, new timing, new approach, right? You got to change all three, right? And sometimes it, there's some overlap, right? Your, their approach might overlap. Maybe some of the timing, even we're talking about like, you know, tenths of a second. So we're not talking about big differences, right? Let's be real, right? The ball's only in the air for a short period of time, right? So, so let's look at, let's look at that. Okay. New move, new timing, uh, new approach. What that means is if I'm moving differently, right? My timing's going to be different, right? And my approach is probably going to change as well is because, okay, let's, let's say if a guy's spinning. If a guy is spinning and his barrel is getting stuck behind him, he needs to go get everything out front because that's the only time that his barrel actually squares and gets uh, actually out and released into contact. Right. Mm-hmm. So, and uh, you know, just using that as an example. Uh, now, switch, switch, switch that back. Right now, if he's moving uh, more connected from his middle, it's it's a lot easier for him to catch balls deeper with force because of how he's moving from the middle part of his body. Um, and so, when we when we go into that. Like again, that changes the, my spacing, right? And now without, and, and we're talking about, again, we're talking about six inches, which yeah. is huge, huge, 
right? And and when it comes to ball contact, right? So when we're talking about any of those things, again, we have to take in the holistically the the situation at hand and how we go about making those changes. And when we go about timing mechanisms, we got to have those additional conversations. We need to talk about the timing. We need to talk about the um, the changes in approach, right? Okay, hey, with this new move, you're now quicker to contact. So I want you to think, and I know that you normally think about hitting the ball like to right center. You know what? Uh, now that you're even quicker to contact, I want you to think about hitting the ball foul down the right field line, yeah. right? If that produces a positive result, great. Let's do that, right? And then, and then let's let's go the same thing too, approach wise. Like again, we just changed it because that's going to change my timing. Sometimes my approach obviously changes my timing, like that example that I just gave, right? I'm thinking right, I'm thinking right field, right? So I'm getting to the ball on time. That thought helps me be on time, right? Okay, cool. So. Now on the other side, now, instead of hunting, when we talk about approaches too, I know before, you know, you were only hunting fastballs inside because that was the only thing you can hit little Johnny. Right. But now that you have this different move, you know, we're going to, it's, it's better for you to sit middle out. Right. And then adjust in because you have that ability now, right. You don't need to just sit balls inside. Right. So that, that approach changes as well. So I think the biggest thing with, with changes that we do in guys swings is that what we do is we make a physical change right? We make a physical adjustment, but we don't back that with timing adjustments and also, uh, the mindset adjustment, right? The approach adjustment. So we gotta, we gotta look at all of those. What's going to change now, now that he's quicker to contact, whether, what are those things that are going to change now that he's doing this different move, what's going to change when the ball is in flight, right? What am I seeing him fall into? Like, Oh, now he's, now he's hitting some, you know, he's hitting some ground balls because he's getting to the ball quicker than I, uh, that he originally, than he originally was. And he's catching that ball really out front now. Mm-hmm. Right. His orientation with the ball has now changed. Right. Yeah. So you got to, I think you got to take it, you got to unwrap it from a whole bunch of different angles um, and take it a couple steps deeper when I'm making these changes, what those look like. And also make it subtle and make sure that you blend it back into uh, the normal swing. When I say like Humpty Dumpty, like pulling them apart, right? If I were to just go short bat uh, down and away, right? And even if I just did that, and that's not even, you know, pulling Humpty Dumpty completely apart, right? Um, but if I were to do that, right, and not blend it back into his normal game bat, right, that we wouldn't do that. It'd just be like, okay, here, let's take 10 swings with, you know, let's take a whole round, I um, mean, you know, a whole day of hitting with the short bat, right, or having them choke up on their game bat, right? The whole time is just super choked up and we're working on that uh, for their posture or whatever, right? Yep. If I do that and then never let them swing regular, did I really fix the problem? Uh, we don't know, mm-hmm. right? We haven't had them swing normal. We haven't had them blend it into his normal um, his normal game swing. Right. And there's a whole bunch of different ways about how we go blending. And maybe that's something, uh, definitely blending is another topic that we need to talk through. I know we, we had talked to, uh, when I was talking through patterning, we kind of touched on it, Mm -hmm. but blending is absolutely key for, um, skill acquisition and holding on the patterns. And we'll have to dive into that on a, on a different episode, but the biggest thing is the blend. It's not, going from one extreme to another extreme or just doing one, you have to, you have to be very creative with how you blend a movement back into an athlete's normal swing, because there's not going to be, there's a lot of drills that which we we're seeing with not only data, but also uh, with inconsistency and in player results, right? Is that there's a lot of drills that don't direct transfer, which is okay. We need to be okay with that. Mm-hmm. If it creates the move. Awesome. Yeah. right? Like a med ball or something like that. If I have a guy doing a move with a med ball, it may not direct transfer for that guy into his game swing. 
right? Especially like a professional athlete. You'll be amazed how much different these guys move when they're throwing a med ball than when they're swinging a bat. Yeah. You'll be amazed how much better um, pitchers throw when they're throwing a PVC pipe instead of throwing a baseball. Yeah. Right. Because you change the implement, you change the association in the head, you change the patterning, and then you have to find a way to blend that all the way back. Right. So there's a lot of concepts and a lot of layers you can un- unravel from there. But again, the biggest takeaways that you would take with that is again, remember new move, new timing, new approach, yeah. right? Sometimes there's some blends over from the, the old one, but you still have to address all of those things because those things are all different. If the guy has old timing with a new move, you're going to run into issues. If a guy has a, his old approach with a new move, you you know you're probably going to run into issues. Now, again, sometimes sometimes the timing and and uh, you know approach won't be an issue, right? Maybe maybe it all works with the new move. It isn't uh, big enough or substantial enough to have to talk about you know a lot of these bigger changes. But again, it's still a good thing to even go through and have that conversation and have those uh, you know conversations with the athlete. No, yeah, that's good stuff. And some of it's heavy, but I wanted to reiterate. A couple of things you were saying there. First, this all starts with that dialogue that we had mentioned already, coach and player asking the right the right questions to help them self-discover. And secondly, I, you nailed it. Like it's not there's not one or one right or one wrong method or drill that you can do. And it's not our favorite drill, it's the drill that's gonna help them with the pattern that we're trying to fix. So keep that in mind. Yeah. And and be versatile. You know, like you said, if if you if you like one drill, well, that might not be the best drill for the player. Um, and I also think, like you had mentioned also, I think sometimes we get ourselves in trouble as coaches because we talk too much. Like uh, like Bobby Tewksbury mentioned, sometimes we get ourselves in trouble and sometimes it's best to to just watch. Let them let let the ball be the uh, be the answer or let the drill give you feedback on what needs to change as well. So I wanted mm-hmm. to reiterate those before we before I ask you this last question, which is um, we've had some coaches and parents reach out to us about young kids and, mm-hmm. and youth level training as far yeah. as in-season adjustments or really just letting them play the game and self-discover. Yeah. So what are your thoughts at 108? And if you're working with younger athletes like that, how do you approach that? Yeah, I think I think one of the biggest things I talked about this with one of that one of our guys before is this is the thing that I have with my my perceptions on on the on the youth in this way. The best thing you can do is if you don't understand, first off, the body is a very, 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 very complex, (laughs) complex, complex, complex system, right? And there's so many more depths, right, that are to the body um, that we probably will never understand, right? And what's going on. Um, We have a good idea. We have a good idea of how the body works now when it comes to, um, you know, like when you come to like the elite level of player development, so like, yeah, do we have a pretty good idea? Yeah. But also too, I just have a lot of respect for the dynamic parts of the body, right. And what's going on and how many different moving parts are, you know, how easy it is to be fooled, right. Um, By what's going on in the body. Right. And so what I would say with that, the reason I say that is it's okay. You just got to know your limitations as a coach, especially too, if you're just a parent, right. If you're just a parent, it dude, if you don't know, it's okay, right? First off, when, you know, uh, put it this way, it's like when your kid's sick, right? When your kid's sick and he's just got a little like sniffle, you might be able to handle that situation, right? Also too, sometimes we think it's a little sniffle and they're actually really sick, yeah. right? You got to look out for the signs. Okay, maybe this is a little worse than I thought. 
right? And then again, that's time to take them to a doctor or take them to, you know, again, a place like ours or something like that. If, you know, the kids, you know, a certain age or whatever. Right. And also too, another thing is a lot of times, a lot of times with those kids, though, a lot of advice that I give to parents is cost them, throw them BP, feed the machine and, you know, tell them good job. Yeah. Right. Like majority of the time with like little kids, they just need to be reinforced, reinforced. Let their body, let their body, uh, a lot of times we see that a lot of the inefficiencies that are put into uh, players are, are man-made, right? They're, they're things that we're coaching them out of really good movements. That's why I talked about like the dynamic systems. We just don't understand the body enough. So we start making, we start making those changes, uh, with some of the youth and then, you know, they get to us and we're trying to get them to do what they used to do. Mm -hmm. Right. So in any case, you know, there's that. And also to, uh, be wary. I know this is something I I just talked to a kid about last night. Um, we had a younger kid. He, I looked over and he was, uh, hitting with a really heavy bat. Right. And so in his head, he's like, Oh, I'm swinging a heavy object. So I'm going to be stronger. My swing's going to be stronger. Right. And yeah. I'm like, not necessarily true. Right. And this is the thing, just because you're swinging a heavy object, it's not like doing curls in the gym. Right. Yeah. What you're doing is you're teaching the system, right. To handle this different load. And now if you're compensating, like I asked them, I said, Hey, when you did that heavier bat, right. When you swung that heavier bat, did you feel like your swings were better? And he's like, no, like I was swinging terrible. Right. And I'm like, okay. So when I use a heavy bat with a professional athlete, it's not that the bats too heavy. Like the, the bat, the heavy bat isn't too heavy for the professional athlete. He's strong. Like they're usually really, really strong. Right. So they can handle swinging something that heavy. And what it does is it just helps them uh, be more efficient. Right. Mm -hmm. And then on the opposite side of that is when a little kid sometimes swings a really heavy bat, right? It, they're not, they're not building really good patterns. They're not getting stronger. All they're doing is learning how to compensate more, how to yank into their back, how to create all this force. Right. But they're not, they're, they're losing big parts of their swing. Right. Um, so with that, that's why I say, okay, what's the opposite to that? Play wiffle ball. <laughs> yep. Use a wiffle ball bat. There's some really good patterns. I mean, think about it like this. How many times have you seen a little kid on Twitter or on Instagram or whatever with a wiffle ball bat, like a four-year-old hitting a ball and it, the swing looks gorgeous, right? The movement is key. The strength will come as they get older, maintain the movement, let them have fun, yep. right? back out again let let them just play the game don't buy into the constraints of you know little leagues and all this other stuff and club ball they're like making guys swing all these these little kids that are in different stages these really heavy bats and all that stuff a lot that's the stuff that you know messes up guys swings more than anything right yeah. a professional athlete wouldn't just go swing some random bat like they're they're there's a reason why there's so many models of bats right there's yeah. a difference of the, what it does to the guys patterns so just be very weary when you guys are buying products, when you guys are just swinging heavier objects or lighter objects, just cause, you know, like you gotta be, you gotta be thoughtful and intentional, right? And with kids, again, more often than not, you're going to see the lighter bat. They're going to, they're going to go to a better pattern, right? So it's kind of a, kind of the opposite of what a lot of no common, um, stuff is out there right now, but yeah, we, we often with younger guys go lighter than we go heavier, mm -hmm. you know? Um, it's again, just like if you're in the weight room, you went and go, Oh, you don't know the pattern. Okay. Well, let's put 400 pounds on the bar. Let's see yeah. if you can do the pattern now. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. like, like you're, it's a young kid, go lighter, 
let's 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 focus on movement right yeah. let's focus on hinging let's focus on you know let's let's do some of the basic patterns let's have the kid you know a uh, bigger thing i tell guys all the time have your kid go play you know kick soccer balls you know kick them with both legs let's get symmetrical across both both parts of our body let's swing you know lefty every once in a while let's do you know let's do athletic stuff yeah right let's just be an athlete right and let's play multiple sports let's do some of those things and i guess and when they're young until a certain point when we need to you know specialize but um until then yeah like i just let them be a kid and let them play let them run up hills let them run down hills let them roll on the ground let them you know let them be a kid right yeah. don't get too quick into uh you know biomechanics and all this other stuff it's like the 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 body is a lot smarter than your brain yeah. right just if you do a lot of those movements and you focus on that and you like again take away the implements and don't force them into real heavy things just like we went in the weight room you're going to see a lot of great patterns show up no man i couldn't agree more with you and i think this conversation will spark the dialogue between coach and player and i think that also opens the door for us to open up some of these concepts on future episodes and also, guys, don't hesitate to reach out to Joey and I. Let us know what you want to hear or let us know how we can help you. If you have something you want to share, something that you want to uh, learn more about, let us know. We're here to help you guys, so don't hesitate. If you need something or anything, we're definitely here and want to help. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And, guys, that's, again, what stimulated a lot of these Unfiltered episodes is, is people reaching out, right, asking questions about this, you know, asking questions about D-Cell, ask, asking questions about, just like Bo brought up, you know, uh, youth athletes, right? All those, all those questions are having to deal with players when they're uh, failing, like, in-game and how we go about, you know, uh, as a coach, how do you go about handling issues like that, right? And those are all questions that have been stimulated by people writing into us. So, again, if you have questions, you have different ideas, uh, things that you're struggling with, uh, let's open that up, right? And if we don't know, we'll get someone on the show that, you know, that can provide. Right. Um, so we got some pretty, pretty cool, uh, guests lined up, uh, that we'll have on the show as we, uh, continue to go on really excited for them. Um, again, guys, our membership is, uh, we have a whole bunch of things we're about to add, uh, from the membership side of things. So definitely get over there. If you are not a member yet, definitely want to get that done. Um, because we got a whole bunch of more resources that are already on there. Again, hitting, hitting resources and pitching resources and performance resources and mindset resource. I mean, you know, it goes on and on and we need your guys' help with that too. I know you guys all have, you guys, if all of you shared one resource, right. That you guys currently use to get players better. Imagine what that would do, right. Imagine what you get that would do for each other. Right. So let's pull the game together. Um, we'd love, for, you know, to share your guys' resources and uh, highlight you guys uh, reach out to us. We'd love to, you know, help you guys and promote you guys. And, um, you know, on that same note, guys, we have a whole bunch of, um, you know, I always say that thing, a whole bunch of, we have a hat and a shirt, right? Bo? Yeah. <laughs> a hat and a shirt. We have two items. We just want to make, we want you guys again. We want you guys to look like you're part of the team. We want you guys to know, we want everybody to know, uh, what you guys are listening to, you know, where you guys are putting your mind, you know, uh, once a week where you guys are thinking about with baseball, we got, you know, we got a shirt and a hat on there that we'd love for you guys to look like you're part of the team. So definitely go check out uh, our website, the system.farm. Um, but you know, we love you guys, but from us on our partners over at Yakutech farm system out.